We hope you'll be blessed and inspired and challenged and motivated by this fresh word from Christian Heritage Church. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5 today. I'm going to read two verses of Scripture, and uh, then we'll move on into the message. Verse 24 says, Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so that the lives be, wives be to their own husbands in every way. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Why? So he could sanctify the church, cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Father, in, the, in Jesus' name, anoint the word into our lives today. Let it come alive. Speak life into each one of us. And especially, visit the men in this room this morning and those watching online. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's interesting when the Apostle Paul wanted to draw a word picture of the relationship between the church and Jesus Christ, he chose to use the institution of marriage. And he chose to picture Jesus as the bridegroom and the church as the bride. And in that context, he also gave us some instruction, some wisdom about how we should live in that marriage relationship today. And then on down in chapter 6, he's going to give us some wisdom, dads, about how we should respond and be in relationship with our families, our children as well. So today I want to talk to you about some of the things needed to be a good dad. So think about it for just a moment. Some of the prerequisites to being a good dad. Be a man. That's the first one, right? Amen. You've got to be a man to be a dad. Function as a man, live as a man, take responsibility as a man, think like a man, act like a man, work like a man. All these are prerequisites to being a good father. But there's one more thing you need to know and understand. You'll never be a good father until you're a good man. That's absolutely true. You'll never be a good father until you're a good man. Pastor Amy mentioned it, but I want to applaud the single fathers in this room. It's a tough job. I want to applaud those dads that are here today living and serving as great dads even though they grew up fatherless. I want to applaud those of you in this room who are foster dads and adoptive dads. That takes a very special love to do those things. So thank you for being that kind of a man. I appreciate that so very, very much. When we think about being a man, we realize it's kind of a dying art in our culture, isn't it? We have been so emasculated over the last years that so many people are afraid to stand up and be a man. Well, I'm challenging you guys today, don't bury your masculinity. Wear it. That's the way God made you. Be a man. And I'm so thankful that in this church, we have a lot of very, very good men who as a result are very, very good fathers. Although there's room for a lot more, can you say amen? I want to fill this place up with good men who pursue and chase after God. I'm absolutely convinced that the spiritual and moral climate in our nation and how it's degenerated has largely in part been due to the fact that we have devalued and undervalued the role of the man in our society and in our home. I've come today to reinstate that level of importance that God intended for every man to live in and to fulfill. I really believe that cultures get in trouble when we devalue the place and the position of the man in that culture. When dad is undervalued, listen to me, when dad is undervalued, our relationship with Abba, our heavenly father, becomes undervalued as well. That's an absolute spiritual truth. 
You know what really ticks me off and really turns my crank? When somebody says, my baby daddy. Listen, you don't need a baby daddy. You need a daddy in your home. You need to understand that's not God's plan or God's way. We got to be where God wants us to be. Let that man be a man. So today my goal isn't to beat dads over the head with the Bible. It's not to put them down or talk about deadbeats, but rather my role today is to encourage you men and to remind every one of us of the importance we play in our culture, in our church, most importantly, in our families and in our homes. We need to understand that so many guys have, have uh, given up because they failed. Can I tell you, every one of us failed. Every one of us make mistakes. It's not a matter, Dad, if you're going to fail. It's a matter of when you're going to fail. What matters is when your children see you in that failure, do you get up and go on and come out stronger, or do you lay there and wallow in the pigsty feeling sorry for yourself? They need to see that my dad does fail, but my dad doesn't let failure define who he is. Somebody needs to say amen. Too long, you've given up because I failed. I just can't do it. Of course you can't do it. But with the help of God, we sang about it this morning, I can do anything. Anything. So I want to return the respect, the dignity that comes with the role of the Father. And remind us again how vital and important that role is to each and every one of us. First, I want to remind you that fathers are providers. You remember the story when taxes were due and Peter said to Jesus, we don't have any money, how are we going to pay our taxes? And what did Jesus say? He said, go catch a fish, take the coin out of its mouth, and go pay our taxes. That story shows the provision of our Heavenly Father, that He's concerned about every aspect of our lives. When Jesus had thousands of people on the hillside and he had preached so long, they all got hungry and missed lunch. And he said, how are we going to feed them? And there was a little boy with what? A couple of loaves and five fishes. He blessed it. He broke it. They passed it out. Everyone was taken care of. Everyone was filled. It shows the provision of our Heavenly Father. That God is interested in every detail and every facet of our lives. By the same token, you and I as dads have a responsibility given to us by God to provide for our families. To make sure that what they need physically is taken care of. The problem is sometimes we as men get so wrapped up in our employment, our job, our career, that that's all we can think about. Or if something happens to derail that, we don't know what to do. Can I tell you that, guys, you're far more than your career. You're far more than your paycheck. You're far more than your job. God has placed you in a position to influence and to lead, to mold and to shape, and to develop men and women from your children that will follow God. Every night, Yvonne and I pray for those nine grandkids. And we pray that God will watch over them and protect them and keep them. And we pray that God's will be done in their life, their destiny be revealed, and they grow up to be men and women who are champions and warriors in the kingdom of God, who will fight the forces of darkness and change their culture. That's our responsibility. That's your responsibility as well. I've had so many ladies, and I'm going to talk to ladies for just a minute, say to me, yeah, but I didn't get a good man. Well, listen, maybe you need to raise your expectations. Maybe you need to look at somebody who's not a deadbeat. If you don't want a deadbeat dad, don't get in a relationship with a deadbeat. 
I'm not telling you that all men are good men. I said to be a good father, you had to be a good man. There's a lot of guys out that aren't good men. We all know that. We understand that. Listen, ladies, if you have to go by mama's house to pick him up because he lives in the basement and he doesn't have a car and he doesn't have a job on the way to the courthouse, you might want to rethink that marriage. Raise your expectations. Come on, God created you for the best. Quit settling for anything less. Raise your expectations and I assure you, God will do something good in your life. You know, Yvonne and I have seven kids. The last two daughters got married last year. I told those two girls when they were 20, you can't get married until you're 30. They laughed me off. I told them every week, you can't get married until you're 30. What I forgot to tell them is you can't get married in the same year after you're 30. So last year we had two weddings, one in July, one in October, one in Oklahoma, one in Arizona. And we're scratching our heads thinking, we sure missed this one, didn't we? Now, the good news is, one was 30 and the other was 31. So they listened to part of it. I just forgot to add the tagline. Not in the same year. Don't do that to us. But they did it anyway. But they both waited. And they found great men who will be a great life partner and support them for the rest of their days and be a part of who they are. I'm encouraged by that. So quit being in such a hurry, ladies, to find a man that you settle for less than God's best. Come on, that's good advice whether you like it or not. And guys, the same goes for you. Quit being in such a hurry that you settle for less than God's best. Wait for God to reveal and bring into your life that person that he wants you to spend your life with. See, sometimes, let me get back on point. I kind of took a sidebar there with the ladies. Back on point, sometimes, guys, our career is who we are. We're identified by our job title or by our paycheck. I've got news for you. There's a whole lot more to providing than simply the money you put in the bank. It's all about relationship with those who are part of your family. It's all about knowing and understanding that that child needs me. I I can remember when my son, oldest son Chris, was probably in his early 20s, and he made the statement. I didn't even think much about it until he made the statement. He said, Dad, you were a great dad. You made it to every event I ever had. I did. I went to every ball game. I went to every concert at school. I would skip church on Wednesday night if my kids were doing something at school because, listen, my church were more important, my kids were more important to me than the church I was pastoring. All of them are living for God, loving Him, pursuing Him. You got to invest time in the lives of those children in order for them to understand you are, in fact, providing for them. Thank you. You see, we understand provision is not just money. It involves relationship. We have to invest in our children, invest in our spouses to see God do good things in them. So while there is provision that brings financial means, there is provision that puts food on the table, there is provision that makes sure they have clothes on their back, provision that makes sure they're educated, provision to make sure they can pursue their dreams, there's also provision that says, You're more important to me than the guy I work with. You're more important to me than the sports team I play on recreationally. Can I tell you one thing? Okay, here I am. Another sidebar, all right? One thing that drives me nuts, these guys who couldn't even play a sport in high school, but now that they're 32, they think they're the greatest jock in the history of the world because they're playing on some rec team. Give me a break! Your kids are much more important than that activity. 
Your kids are much more important than them sitting in the stands watching you play a sport. Reverse it. You had your day in the sun. And if you couldn't cut the mustard, so be it. Let them have their day. Let them see their dad in the stands. I can remember my mom coming to ball games. She had yelled so loud at the referees, she actually got thrown out of ball games. But I always knew she was there. Wasn't any doubt in my mind. Let your kids see you there as a part of their lives and what's important to them. Be in relationship with them because this is more important than the money you provide, the clothes you buy, the house you live in. As long as you invest in them relationally. They'll never forget it and they will be better because of it. Secondly, fathers are protectors. Protectors. That's the role God has given to you and I as men. As a dad, we place ourselves in front of any danger coming against our family. And let me start it this way. It begins with spiritual dangers. We stand there against the forces of darkness. And we say, devil, not today and not on my watch. You can't have my kids. You're not going to destroy them. They have a destiny and a future given to them by a heavenly father. And you've got to come through me to get through them. You see, Jesus set that example for us, didn't he? Yeah, because he died for our sins. He stood in the place of thing that was endangering us, and that was our own sinful behavior. He died, he bled, and he rose again so that you and I could stand behind him in that place of protection. So in the same manner, and Paul alludes to it in that scripture we just read, fathers have the responsibility of laying down their lives for their children and for their families. doesn't mean you're probably going to necessarily give your physical life, But it means maybe you give up your personal interest. Maybe you forsake a hobby. Maybe you choose not to buy a boat or a new car or a new truck or a motorcycle. Maybe you put your family in front of what you want and what you desire. Because you recognize they're more important to you. And can I tell you something, dads? When your kids are gone, there's always time to get the toys. Always time. I'm a perfect example, amen? That's why I got a Harley in my garage. Kids are gone. I can do that now. You know, I think about my own dad. This is the first Father's Day without him. He died in January of this year. We buried him on his 90th birthday, January 21st. And I, I, there's a lot I didn't know about my dad until later in life. You know, I really didn't have a very good relationship until later, later in life. But what I learned was that Dad didn't necessarily want to get married. He had to get married. You know what I mean? And in that day and in that time, all of his dreams, all of his plans and aspirations were put aside. He was the valedictorian of his class, one of the fastest men in the state of Oklahoma, one of the best baseball players in the state of Oklahoma. But when he had to get married, he laid all that aside, and he took a job working for a farmer in West Texas that led him to building elevators all across, grain elevators all across the High Plains, that led him to working in Boeing, at Boeing in Wichita, Kansas for eight years, that led him to saving enough money to go back and buy a farm in those sand hills of western Oklahoma. None of that was his plan. But he laid his plan aside because he saw he had a responsibility. That's what I'm saying to you today, Dad. That's what I'm saying to me. We need to lay aside our wishes, our desires, in order to promote and protect our family. He put his interest before, he put my interest before his interest. And that's what God is showing us to do. 
Dads are the first line of defense for the family. You realize that. And it's often the first area where Satan attacks. So let me say it again, men. You're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But when you do, what your family is watching is, are you going to get up? Are you going to pull your boots on? Are you going to act like a man instead of acting like a whiny baby and move on with life? Be a man. Be a man. That's what God wants you to do. The primary provision given to you and I is that provision of relationship and the protection that comes from that relationship. I've told you many times, you can say anything you want to about me and I don't care. But if you come after my wife, you come after my kids, I'm going to unleash a whole bunch of you-know-what on you and you're not going to like it because I am the protector. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the biblical pattern and the order that God has set for us through Jesus Christ. But you know, when we're talking about protection and provision, the greatest gift that a dad can leave to his children is a legacy of salvation. It's a legacy of living for God. It's a legacy of being a godly father. That's true. When parents die, often their kids receive some kind of inheritance. But the greatest inheritance is what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The dad that really loves his family, listen to me, you're going to bring them to church whether they want to be there or not. This whole thing of my kid doesn't want to go to church, I don't know where you think you have to believe that. Who's the parent anyway? Who's putting food on the table? Who's giving them a place to live? Who's putting clothes on their back? They don't have a choice. Be a man. Expose them to the things of God. Don't buy that. I don't want to do it. Nonsense. Do what's best for your kids. And it's best for your kids when they're in the presence of God on a regular weekly basis. A dad who loves his family will always want the best for his family. And how can we say we want the best for them if we omit that spiritual aspect of knowing Jesus Christ? You may give them a million dollars. You may give them a brand new car. You may give them everything the world could offer or provide. But if you fail to give them Jesus, you failed as a dad. Give them Jesus. 1 Thessalonians 2, 11 and 13 says, As a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who called you into his kingdom and glory. What do you say? Encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God. Mark eight thirty six says, What good is it if a man gains the whole world yet loses his soul? Apply that to your family, dads. What good is it If you have everything they could ever want, you've given it to them, you never deprived them of a thing, but you've never gave them Jesus. It's of no value whatsoever. Give them Jesus. See, dads are very, very important in our lives. And I want to reiterate that again and again this morning. We are important. I don't care what the feminists say. We are important. Dads are the best. We need dads in our life. We're charged with the duty of protecting and providing and interceding for our families. We have the power. Listen to me, dads. We have the power. We have the power given to us by God to change a culture by changing our children. 
to change the future by shaping those who are following us. We are the first line of defense. And we are the first evangelists our children should ever hear. It's our responsibility to lead them to Jesus Christ. Not just with words, but by the way we live. By the way we worship. By the way, yeah, I'm really going to say this. By the way we talk when we leave the church. By the way we act when we leave the building. We have an opportunity to truly change our future by changing and shaping our children. And last, fathers are professors, and you know, that old preacher just came out in me. I, I usually don't do much alliteration, but it just fit. So put whatever word you want in there you want to put in there. Because a dad has to teach his kids what are best for them. I can remember when Chris, our oldest son, was about two years old, and he took a paper clip, unfolded it, and stuck it into the outlet. Flipped the breaker, he got shocked. And I said to him, how many times have I told you not to do that? I had told him, but that outlet taught him. Sometimes that's the way we are. He's as hard-headed as I am. He had to have the lesson, you know. But when the lesson happens, the dad is there to teach the principle behind it. To show them this is why you shouldn't do it. The instruction, the teaching of the father sets the tone for the entire family. So sometimes we're tough. And it's okay, men, to be tough. It's okay to say no. It's okay to break that little darling's heart. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's okay to see them cry and slobber because they don't get what they want. It's part of growing up. It's a part of developing character. It's part of teaching them what they're supposed to be. Don't give them everything they want. That's the last thing that you should do for them. Give them what they don't want. Give them the, 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 the ethic of working hard every single day. You know, when I grew up on a farm, I didn't much like it, to be honest with you. We got up at 5 a.m. every morning to milk cows. And when we weren't in school, that day continued until dark that night. From as early as I can remember, I worked. But you know what that's done for me in any station, in any position, in any activity or vocation? It's shown me I can do what has to be done, and I will rise to the top because of a work ethic. As much as I despised it when my dad made me do it, I treasure it now. I'm saying that because some of your kids may despise what you're doing now and not like the controls or the discipline or the restraints that you place on them, but there will come a day when they're going to say thank you. They're going to appreciate it and show you that you did the right thing in helping them. A father expresses his love through that daily leadership. Do you remember... Jesus and Peter were in an encounter, and, and Jesus said to Peter, you know, he's going the wrong way, thinking the wrong thing, and he said, Jesus, I, or Peter, Peter, I rebuke you, Satan, get thee behind me. Through that act, he showed the discipline, the leadership of a loving father. Peter was lost in an old way of thinking. Jesus was taking him to a new life. Sometimes you've got to get that stinking thinking out of your kid so they can go on to a new life. You've got to be direct with them. You've got to tell them this isn't going to work. Reminds me of the story of the young man who was doing horribly in school, especially in math. His parents and his teachers tried everything. Finally, his parents decided, we'll send him to a parochial school. 
So they sent him to a parochial school, and when the first grade card came out, they were amazed because all of his grades were up, especially math. For the first time in his life, he had an A in math. And they said, wow, how did that happen? Is it the uh, non-traditional teaching methods? And he said, no. Was it the smaller class size, more individualized attention? He said, no. They said, well, then what was it that caused this huge turnaround? The kid said, well, the first day I walked into that school, I saw that man hanging on a plus sign, and I knew I better take math seriously. (laughs) You got to urge your kids to do the right things in the right way. You got to show them through your leadership. Teach them what you want to be done in their lives. I mentioned to you, I really didn't have a very good relationship with my dad when I was growing up. He worked a full-time job as well as farmed in order to just put food on the table. Wasn't around much. And as a result, I became pretty rebellious as early as 8, 9, 10 years old. I did what I wanted to do and nobody was going to stop me. I remember I was 15 years old and I bought my first car for $100, drove it home. I didn't have a driver's license. Dad said, did I tell you you could buy that car? I said, no, it's my money. I'm going to do what I want with it. That was my attitude. And it wasn't until I was about 30 when I did my first missions trip and took a group of people with me to build a church in Mexico, I reached out to my dad because he was a great builder. He said, hey, will you come and go with us and help me out? Teach me things I don't know. And that opened the door for he and I over the next 30 years to develop a great relationship. So I'm saying to some of you in this room this morning, maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your dad, but go find a way to make it good now. Don't sell it for what it is. Make it what God wants it to be. And I'm saying to some dads in this room, maybe your kids are estranged or they're not really connected to you. Well, stop it and do something that makes it happen today. Because the greatest relationship in the family is that relationship with the father and his children. I'm not minimizing moms. In any way, shape, or form, you're very, very important. But I'm telling you, without that authority figure... Something's missing in the life of those children. They need a dad who will love them, who will play with them. My kids, the things they always loved was to get down on the floor and wrestle. They loved to wrestle. All of them, the girls and the boys. So we wrestled every night before they went to bed. I'm glad I was 30 and not 60. That's all I can say about that. I guarantee you, I may be calling 911 next week and saying, Come and help me. These grandkids have worn me out. Come and get them from me for a little while. They're tearing me up. It's a reason God gives kids to young people. Say amen. You need the energy to do it. But what I know is that if dad isn't there to push us, to model for us, to encourage us, and to discipline us, something's missing from our lives. Maybe all of you remember the movie Facing the Giants and how the coach pushed that young man Brock to do more than he ever thought he could do. Why don't I not tell you about it? Why don't you just watch it? Show that video, would you please? It's not even funny, dude. (laughs) So, Coach, how strong is Westview this year? A lot stronger than we are. You already written Friday night down as a loss, Brock? Well, not if I know we could beat them. Come here, Brock. You too, Jeremy. What, am I in trouble now? Not yet. I want to see you do the death crawl again, except I want to see your absolute best. (laughs) 
What, you want me to go to the 30? I think you can go to the 50. The <laughs> 50? I can go to the 50 if nobody's on my back. I think you can do it with Jeremy on your back. But even if you can, I want you to promise me you're going to do your best. All right. Your best. Okay. You going to give me your best? I'm going to give you my best. All right, one more thing. I want you to do it blindfolded. Why? Because I want you giving up at a certain point when you can go further. Get down. Jeremy, get on his back. I get a good tight hold, Jeremy. All right. Let's go, Brock. Keep your knees off the ground. Just your hands and feet. There you go. A little bit left. A little bit left. I'll bet he does. There you go, baby. There you go. Show me good effort. That way, Brock. You keep coming. There you go. It's a good start. A little bit left. A little bit left. There you go, Brock. Good strength. That's it, Brock. That's it. Not the 20 yet? Forget the 20. You give me your best. You keep going. That's it. No, don't stop, Brock. You got more in you than that. Hey, done. Just rest in a second. You gotta keep moving. Let's keep moving. Let's go. Don't quit till you got nothing left. There you go. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Your very best. Your very best. Your very best. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. Don't quit on me. Keep going. Keep driving it. Keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. That's it. Your very best. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. That's it. You keep driving. Keep your knees off the ground. Keep driving it. Don't quit till you got nothing left. Keep moving, Brock. That's it. That's it. That's it. Keep going. I want everything you got. Come on. Keep going. It hurts. Don't quit on me. Your very best. Keep driving. Keep driving. There you go. There you go. He's heavy. I know he's heavy. I'm bad out of strength. Then you negotiate with your body to find more strength, but don't you give up on me, Brock. You keep going. You hear me? You keep going. You're doing good. You keep going. Do not quit on me. You keep going. It hurts. I know it hurts. You keep going. You keep going. It's all hard from here. 30 more steps. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Keep going. Burn. And let it burn. Hours are burning. It's all hard. You keep going, Brock. Come on. Come on. Keep going. You
conquer where I'm defeated, so will they. Don't tell me you can't give me more than what I've been seeing. You just carried a 140-pound man across this whole field on your arms. Brock, I need you. God's gifted you with the ability of leadership. Don't waste it. Coach. Can I count on you? Yes. Coach. What is it, Jeremy? I want a 160. that every time I watch it. And it reminds me that we have a responsibility to say to our kids, there's something in you God has placed there. When they're ready to quit and they're ready to give up, remind them of their destiny. I know I talked a lot this morning about our kids, but when our son Chris was between his junior and senior year, he played basketball since he was six years old. He told me that year, that summer, he said, Dad, I don't think I'm going to play basketball my senior year. I said, well, that's your, your decision, but why not? I don't like to coach. I don't think we're going to be very good. It takes too much time and effort. I said, well, you do what you want to do, but are you giving up on your dream? Because when he was between the fifth and the sixth grade, we moved from a little town in southern Kansas to the capital of Kansas, Topeka. And in that little town, and that church had exploded and grown like crazy, and and the basketball coach, the high school basketball coach, became a part of the church. Chris went to all of his camps. His son was his best friend. They hung out all the time. Kent Wire taught my son a lot about basketball in that period of time. And as we're getting ready to move, Chris said, Dad, I don't want to move. I said, why not? He said, well, I think that I want to win a state championship in Kansas, and I can't do it unless Kent Wire's my coach. I said, you know, son... I really don't know what God thinks about basketball. But I know what he thinks of 12-year-old boys. And if that's your dream, I don't know how, but God will make it happen. So that year between his junior and senior year, I simply reminded him of his dream. Ken had been a part of our lives. He had went to some of Ken's camp even after we moved. And that year, he was on the high school basketball team. And that year when they moved into the regional playoffs or the district playoffs, his team was 10 and 7. They really weren't very good. But something happened when they moved into that playoff setting. And that team that wasn't very good suddenly won their district and they were going to state. The first game at state, Chris was assigned guarding a guy that was 6'10", scored 35 points a game. Six, Chris at that time maybe was 6'3 at the most. He held that boy to 15 points in that game, and they won. That was the first one. Went to the second game, they won by a couple of points. In the championship, the finals for the 5A state championship in Kansas, Kansas is a basketball state. You know that, right? They got some players. They were playing against a team from Kansas City, Kansas. It had five starters that were all Division I recruits, already signed scholarships. They're going to play basketball, major universities. 
And this little ragtag bunch of boys who had only won 10 games all season long went up against them. They never let that team get ahead the whole time. And at the last shot, which would have tilted the game for the other team, Chris took a charge in the lane, was knocked down, the charge was called, he shot two free throws and iced it. And there he stood, a state champion. You got to remind your kids of their dreams. Don't let them give up when God hasn't given up. Don't let them give up when they've given up. Be a dad that teaches them, encourages them, motivates them, and brings out all they have in them because our church needs them and our culture needs them. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'll take something that was said in this room this morning, speaking to the lives of men here today. Make us a real man, men's men, type of man that Jesus was who gave his life for us. Make us men of God, good men, that people want to be around and follow. Right now, speak to every man in this room. And if there's one here who doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, never ask you to forgive them of their sins, right now cause that to happen. And Lord, I pray for those men in this room who have all but given up, who said, I can't do it. They've been iced out. For one reason or another, their family has rejected and shunned them. I pray that you give them new strength today. A new determination to renew and to restore the broken relationships. To be involved in their children's lives. And I pray for those dads who feel like I'm barely keeping my head above water. Who feel like they don't know how much longer they can go on. I pray for supernatural strength to fill them and infuse them right now. I pray that they experience you on a level they've never experienced you before. You show them that you've given everything they need to be a provider, to be a protector, to be a teacher to those that you've given influence over. And Lord, I pause to thank you for every good man in this room who is a good father. Lord, help them to raise up other men to be just like them. Help them to raise strong boys and strong girls who will absolutely follow you all the days of their life. Just give us hope right now that you will fulfill destiny if we don't give up. Pour it into our hearts now in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? And Tom, I want you to lead us again in good, good father you're here this morning and i'm not going to call you out but if you need something from god you can step out as tom begins to sing this song and we're going to believe god will give you what you need in this room this morning our prayer is that god will take this word and plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul father we pray for your great wisdom to infiltrate this listener draw them to you and take them gently down the road to their next destination in life And if you're in need of a home church, we invite you to join us at Christian Heritage Church on Shera Road in Tallahassee, Florida, a multicultural church founded on the truth of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. For a worship service where the presence of God has first place, you're invited to Christian Heritage Church, 
Sunday morning service is at 10.30, Wednesday evening at 7, plus youth group and kid power and small groups and more. For all the latest information, visit our website, chctoday.com.